and focusing there. Three weeks ago, I preached on the cross being the main thing. That for all the other things that are important, all the other principles and, and mindsets and, and things that we put forth, teachings in the Christian faith, all of it has to center on the cross. Without the cross, we're just wasting our time. Then two weeks ago, I talked about the cross and its greatness. So many can look at the cross as a symbol and sign of defeat but we look at it as a symbol of power and authority because it was on the cross that he shed his blood so that you and I could be, have our sins washed clean and washed away. So we talked, I talked about the greatness of the cross. Today, I want to focus on the topic of the new covenant and the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, and I'll begin reading in verse number 18. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not hear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth. How much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. The words once more indicating the removing of what, was, what can be shaken that is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. The new covenant and the cross. Not only is the cross the main and central thing for us as Christians, and not only is the cross a representation and presentation of authority and power, the cross is also a line. It's a drawn line between an old way of thinking and a new way of being able to relate to God directly. In looking first at life before the cross... Back in the book of Exodus on Mount Sinai, God established a covenant with his people, the people of Israel. This was laid out and has often been called throughout church history as the Mosaic Covenant. God laid out his rules for living and not only his general rules for living, but his rules for relating to one another. The covenant was maintained through various ceremonial practices that were seasonal and annual. And then the covenant was ratified through various sacrifices involving the blood of animals. But there was 
always a component in this old covenant that required distance. No one was permitted to touch the holy mountain. Even Moses, who was permitted, said, yeah, I'm allowed to go up there, but I don't really want to go up there. That's my paraphrase. And in the tabernacle, even the most holiest place within it could only be accessed by the high priest, and even that only once a year. This is what the, the writer of Hebrews is getting at when he declares in verse number 18, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched. That was the distance that we saw in the way in which the old covenant was laid out. So many people walk through life today feeling that God is out there somewhere. They don't sense him. They don't relate to him by doing what he can. They don't relate to him, and the evidence of that is they wind up doing things their own way. They try to connect with him simply through through various practices and rituals. If I attend church this many times, if I say this many prayers, if I do this or that, then I'm connecting with God. And those things may be aids or things that may possibly, but we have in the new covenant the ability to come to, to, come to God directly. We can access him just as we are. People will try today to connect with God by being good enough. Well, I'm a good person. But this is still trying to connect to God our way. This is trying to connect with God based on our behaviors and our standards and our qualifications and our definitions of what is good. And the bottom line is that it leads nowhere. You all know the verse from Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This means we all have sinned. That's kind of clear what that is saying. And the truth is most people are willing to get on board with that. There are very few people in this world who will think, well, I've never done anything wrong. I've never had a wrong thought or a wrong attitude. Most people will get on board with the idea that all have sinned. But then we need to finish it and all fall short of the glory of God, the glory of God's, uh, the, the fall short of God's glory, fall short of God's presence, and fall short, ultimately, of being able to, in our own power, connect with him. We need help. Aren't you glad Jesus provided the help we needed? That was life before the cross. Life after the cross. With, but with Jesus, we have a new covenant. This new covenant isn't based on ceremonies and rituals. It's not keeping count of how many times you come to church or don't come to church. Let me encourage you. Keep coming to church. It's not based on how well or how strict you're able to keep a certain set of rules. Nor is it based on how well or how strictly you're able to get other people to keep a certain set of rules. It isn't based on how good you are or how good you will ever be. And it isn't ratified by the blood of animals. It was purchased once and for all by the blood of Jesus Christ. The precious and spotless lamb of God. That's why 
Jesus has become, in verse 24 of the passage we read, our mediator, our go-between. Because this new covenant is based on his love, not on ours. It's based on his gift of grace to each of us. It's based on what he did, not on what we will ever do. And as much as it is good for all of us as Christians to put ourselves in situations where we are sacrificing for others, it's not based on our sacrifice. It's based on his sacrifice. This new way, this new covenant is available to each and every person walking the face of the earth because of the cross. I am no longer bound to live the old way. We can each approach God with humility, please, but with confidence. We have a direct line with the Father. Now, I want to balance what I'm about to say, but I also want to make the point. I'm thankful for the people in my life who pray for me. I'm thankful for the people in your life who pray for you. I want to assure you, in your life, I'm one of the people who pray for you. We need to pray for one another, and that's something that the Bible talks about. But so many people will ask others to pray for them and yet won't approach God themselves. They feel that other people have a better connection to God. Your connection to God is not based on how many church services you attend. It's not based on how many prayers you've prayed, nor how long you've been walking with him. Your connection to God is based on what Jesus did for you and me. They feel God likes them better or appreciates them better or will listen to them more than they would listen to themselves. I want you to hear me. Romans chapter 2, verse 11, the verse is not going to be on the screen, but it makes it clear, God does not play favorites. He doesn't play favorites. As the old phrase, and it's been said for hundreds of years, and it's still true, The ground is level at the foot of the cross. It is level. And it is level at the foot of the cross all because of the cross. We have a new environment because of the cross, a new context. Living a life that fully embraces the cross brings to us an entirely new reality. Because of this new covenant, excuse me, before this new covenant, people would rightly live in fear and trembling. If every time I came near a holy mountain, the ground began to shake, let me make it clear. I'm going to be as far away from that mountain as possible. I don't like it when the ground shakes. I've told you the story about my one time in L.A. I don't like it when the ground shakes. I don't like it being 30 floors up in a building when the ground shakes. But before the new covenant, it wasn't just that the ground shaked. So many people today live in fear and in all kinds of anxiety because life is shaking. Things around them are shaking. Before the new covenant, people lived in fear and trembling. Before the new covenant, people lived in insecurity. What can I place my trust in? Before the new covenant, the best hope we had was what people are doing today. Well, let me give it my best shot. I'll be as good as I can. I'll give as much money as I can. I'll attend as many good things as I can. And maybe when I get before God, it'll all be good. 
But the cross moved you and me to a new place. The cross gave you and me a new hope. The cross opens up possibilities that simply did not exist before. Because of the cross, you and I can live a life of faith. Not faith in circumstances, not faith in what's happening around us, certainly not faith in the 11 o'clock news, but faith in Jesus. Because no matter what happens, whether to me, in our country, or in our world, nothing will ever change the fact that Jesus sits on a throne today and he is still the king of kings. You and I can live a life of faith because of the cross. You and I can live a a life that is secure. It just seems we can be walking for a number of days or weeks or even months and pretty much have reestablished a sense of, of, of order in our lives from the last time something shook us and then something like what happened in Nashville happens. And we begin to wonder, can I go anywhere? People begin to wonder, can I... Am I safe anywhere? And we begin to, and this is, I I understand why news commentators do it, but whenever something like what happened in Nashville happens, they feel for some unknown reason they have to chronicle every single time it's happened before to remind us that it's happened before. I don't know anybody who's forgotten that it's happened before. And it just brings this anxiety that we didn't have moments ago. Because of the cross, you and I can live a life that isn't shaken by every news report. Yes, this was a tragic. Yes, this is sad. But my stability in life is not based on not bad things happening. It's based on Jesus being on the throne. And he didn't move from the throne. Let's be honest, throughout this entire episode of a global pandemic people were walking around as if life didn't exist anymore much anxiety and there were real consequences i never understood those who looked at the pandemic and just called it fake or called it not real who wouldn't see the real circumstances because of it These were serious truths. But even when we're facing serious truths in our lives and they're difficult and they're bad and they're not bringing joy, there's always a context. You see, oftentimes when we come against these things or come and confront those situations or seasons in our lives that don't bring joy, that are difficult and unhappy, it's not the only thing in my life, though. I believe I shared it, although I haven't preached in a while, in the last couple of weeks. It was a week ago Wednesday that I was on a retreat two weeks ago. I've been on retreats for the past two weeks. And I was on a retreat two weeks ago when I got a, a call while I was there from a woman I hadn't, known, I hadn't spoken with. And it's got to be five or six years. And she reached out to me because her 20-year-old son had died. He'd been killed in a motorcycle accident. And she wanted me to preach his funeral. I agreed. But as my wife can tell you, I, I, 
stressed it and obsessed about it for days, what in the world can I say that will bring comfort to a comfortless situation? And one of the things I did try to bring out was that while this is a tragedy, and one of the things as I arrived at the funeral home that, that Wednesday afternoon to actually preach the funeral, and I walked in, the place was packed. A funeral home, the room that we were in, about the size of our fellowship hall. And it was packed, and mostly with this young man's peers. So many, many others who were in the age of 18 to 25. And I could see the look of pain on their face. The look of, this is not where I planned to be a week ago. What's going on? And I'm like, Lord, I have something prepared, but give me words. Give me the the opportunity to say something. And so I, I made my comments. I, I remember distinctly. Only time I kind of chuckled, the funeral director came to me and said, you have 15 minutes. Because <laughs> they had a, a, a certain schedule and a, a plan for the service. You have 15 minutes. I recorded what I said. I preached for 14 minutes and 50 seconds. <laughs> I stuck to what I was given. In seasons like that, It can shake the foundation. But that's why our foundation needs to be in something that's not shakable. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. That mom who asked me to preach texted me a couple of days later and said, thank you for offering hope and comfort. I just said you're welcome because that's what I preach. But I can't imagine what I said did, but I know Jesus did something. Every single one of us has has faced a time when our mountain has been shaken. And what it reveals is what is our mountain? Is it the mountain from the old covenant that was based on rituals, that was based on human practices, that was based on our perception, and for the most part, based on a fear of God? Or is it based not on on fear, but on faith. They went from Mount Sinai, and the writer to the Hebrews is saying, let's go to Mount Zion, and let's see what God can do in your life. Faith in Jesus. Our hope in the cross upon which Jesus died brings a peace and a comfort that even the most dire situation can help us rise above it. Are we still going to feel the pain? Absolutely. Are we still going to have those seasons of grief? We don't deny what's in front of us. We don't pretend like nothing bad happened. It's just that we have a greater truth that can stabilize us and allow us to truly experience those times of grief without rocking our world. The blood Jesus shed for you and me satisfied A number of things. It satisfied the justice that our sins required. The writer talks about the Lord's blood speaking a better word than the blood of Abel. Verse 24 of the passage we read. Back in Genesis 4, it shows us that Cain murdered Abel. He was jealous that God accepted Abel's sacrifice and didn't accept his. 
And when the Lord confronted Cain, he said in Genesis 4 verse 10, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Our sins required justice before God. Our sins required a penalty be paid. And then the blood of Jesus cleansed us from all sin. Unlike Abel's blood, which cried out an accusation against Cain, it cried out for justice. Aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus silences all of the accusations against you? It removes all of the shame. It removes all of the guilt. Before God, you stand clean and righteous because of what Jesus did. Aren't you glad that because of this new covenant, because of the blood of Jesus, you can live a life, and I know it's hard to imagine, but you can live a life free of the opinions of others. Think about that for a minute. Most people who say, I don't care what anybody else thinks about me, at some level are lying. You can say it, and it's a great hope, but have the, a certain person say a certain thing to you, and you're off. It sets you right off. It may not even be someone you like. It may be someone who you really, really would rather not be around. And if they say a certain thing and it triggers a certain emotion in you, but in Jesus we can be free of all that. I not only can live a life free of the opinions of others, I can live a life connected to what God thinks about me. And God thinks you're precious. God thinks you're awesome. God thinks you're cool. And even though I stopped trying to be cool decades ago, a life that can truly and completely, as John 10.10 10 says, be abundant in every way. The ground, the cross offers us a, a new environment. The cross offers us stability. I'm about to give a profound theological statement. Life can be so unstable. End of profound statement. If ever there was a time when people walked in confusion, it's now. If ever there was a time people walked in uncertainty, it's now. If ever there was a time people just didn't seem to be able to put two and two together or, or to connect dots, it's now. What is being revealed through all the various things in our lives is that people are having shown for them that whatever they're trusting in is not going to keep them in the shakable moments. My trust is not in the American government. Lord knows it's not in the American government. It's not only not in the American government, it's not in this country's ability to return or begin to walk in godly ways. Because that would be putting my trust in something else. My trust is not in material resources. I thank God for his provision. I thank God for walking in my life and being my provider. But that's not what my trust is in, the things. My trust is not in my being able to control my own situations in life. Believe me, if I could control the things in my life two Christmas Eves ago, I would not have gotten COVID. I would have done it differently. If I could control the situations in my life, I would not have been diagnosed as diabetic back in early February. 
And if I could control based on knowledge situation, I definitely would have not tried to treat what I didn't know was diabetes with Slurpees. You can't convince me right now that even in our foolishness, God doesn't take care of us. But with all that is going on in people's lives, with all that we see on the news, with all that we hear about this health crisis and that issue, life can just be for so many unstable. But I have good news. Not only is the ground level at the foot of the cross, it is stable at the foot of the cross. His strength reigns at the foot of the cross. His power is fully manifested at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter, although I want to pay attention. I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow, and I'm hoping he has good things to say to me and that he'll be happy with where my numbers have been. But you know what? Regardless of what he says to me, I'm going to walk out of that appointment knowing that Jesus Christ is the Lord. There's no safer place to be than in the arms of Jesus. There's no greater place of security than to hide my life in the cross of Jesus. We're living in one of those times when the church has an opportunity to shine because everybody else is falling apart. In the midst of instability, you and I, we can let others know we have a solid rock on which we stand. In the midst of insecurity and instability, we can proclaim that not only do we have a solid place to stand, we have a good shepherd. Aren't you glad for the good shepherd who takes care of his sheep? I don't believe, as as many have said, and thankfully they've stopped saying it, that the recent pandemic we went through was done so by God. I don't believe it. And if you want to argue with me theological about it, make an appointment. Because <laughs> I just don't. I don't see that it makes any sense biblically. However, I am convinced that God can take any situation and any circumstance that comes into our lives and begin to use it to teach us a few things. And what he's been teaching me and many in the church throughout this entire time is that our foundation needs to be in Jesus and in no one else and in no other thing. It should not be about politics. It should not be about what's happening in the Supreme Court. It should not be about the food supply, whether it's uh, uh, plentiful or scarce. It should not be about the weather. So many people talk about, I hope it's a good day tomorrow that the sun will shine. You know what? It's going to be a Jesus day tomorrow, whether the sun shines or not. It shouldn't be about any of these things. For us, our stability, it should be about the cross. Our main thing as a Christian, the cross, our source of greatness and authority, it should be about the blood of Jesus, which was shed on the cross. Someone listening to me today, whether here in this building or on live stream or whether you're listening to this on replay, needs to hear and detach themselves from the things that are your foundation. 
and allow God to attach you to the cross, to the cross of Jesus, the Savior who sacrificed his life for you and for me. When all of life crumbles, and let me underscore that I said the word when, not if. Our lives don't have to crumble as well if we fix our eyes on Jesus. So many people have asked me as I've gone through this, and I've stopped calling it a health crisis or a health moment. It's been a health adjustment. (laughs) And they've used the phrase, has it been a wake-up call for you? And I understand what they're saying when they make that comment. And there's been an aspect of that that has some validity. But really, it's not been a wake-up call for me. It's been an opportunity for me just to appreciate God, to appreciate what he's done in my life, and that for, I guess, apparently, he still wants me around. Life for many at a bad health diagnosis can crumble. And some are so severe that it would make sense. And we take these things seriously. But because of the new covenant, because of the cross, we can stand firm even in the midst of a storm. We can be like a tree planted by rivers of living water that although the storm rages, we can have our roots dug deep and we stay firm and continue to give him praise. Whether it's praise as a reaction for all the good things he's done or whether it's the sacrifice of praise because we know no matter what happens to me in life that he is still worthy of glory and honor. God may use situations around us to shake us, to let us know what in my life needs to be removed, to show us where my reliance is. Is it on self? Is it on things? Is it on a bank account? Is it on any of these things which in themselves aren't bad? But is my trust in those things? Is my stability in those things? I learned a long time ago that simply trusting in money or careers, or what you have is a slippery slope. I trust in the one who can provide the money and provide the careers and provide the provision. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my heart's cry today because he cares for you. And how do I know he cares for you? He died on the cross. He died on the cross. Stand with me, please.